The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz. Hey, Liz, are you ready? Jody, you know I am. I'm so excited for today's show, even though it's more of your topic than mine, right? I'm like bouncing in my seat here. Today. I know. You must be so psyched. This is like, woohoo, your yeah. thing, Jody. It's yeah. totally my thing. And it's like the beginning of tax season two. And it's I like, know. it's so much excitement. And people don't get like how, if you are into taxes, how like from January to April is like the most exciting time in the world. Like they, <laughs> they just don't get it. It's like, it's a season. It's like the gardener who can't wait for spring. It's the same idea in the tax world. But are CPAs excited for tax season? I mean, can you, I mean, you are, and I think you're an anomaly maybe, but like our other CPA, or are they just like, oh my God, four months of, uh, you know, I mean, would you say that? Like, well, are, so I liken to talk about tax season, like, like I said, like spring for a gardener. Like it's when we get to really do what we're good at and when we get to see like the cool stuff. So we do taxes all year round. Like, I mean, there, even though there's tax season, like realistically we have extensions and we're doing tax work all year, but during tax season, it's like this harvest of all this cool stuff comes together. And if you're into tax and you're a geek like me, then it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. Cause you're seeing it and you're seeing it every day. And there's just, there's just so much opportunity there that it's just fun. So I know I'm kind of sick like that, but I think, <laughs> slightly maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think most tax people probably enjoy it as much or they wouldn't do it. Cause it, it it's really hard to work the hours that we work and yeah. not have that same idea of fun during tax season. Right. And <laughs> but you're I, not so, so excited, Liz. I <laughs> know I'm I'm very excited. I feel like I'm gonna learn a lot in this show. And I have to say, so if you haven't already gathered, we're gonna be talking about taxes today. And I mean, didn't tax season kick off uh yesterday, right? The twenty third of January? I, I think it did. Yeah. Um and so and we're I'm excited too because we have a really cool guest today. I know. And um her name is Kelly Phillips Irv, and she is like the original tax girl. And Kelly and I have known each other via Tax Girl for, I think, almost 10 years now. I don't, it, it's a long time already. And she's an attorney, and she went to law school, and she decided that, 
you know, um, she liked tax because a lot of people don't actually realize that tax is not the IRS, that tax is rooted in, in tax law, which is it's very attorney-like um, because everyone thinks the IRS is like who writes the law, but the IRS doesn't write the law. Congress writes the laws and then the IRS interprets them. But anyways, but Kelly has her law degree and she also has her LM, LLM in taxation, which means she's like a lawyer of tax, right? And she worked at the IRS at one point in her career, and then she started writing about taxes, and she found out that she could make taxes really simple for um, the end user, for for an individual like or for, yeah, for you. <laughs> um, right. And she started this blog, and this blog was called Tax Girl. And then after she ran her blog for a while by herself independently, Forbes picked it up and said, you know, we're going to make Tax Girl part of Forbes. And then um, fast forward, and I think it's a couple of years ago, she was actually hired by Forbes to be an editor um, to do all things tax. So without further ado, um, I'm going to, you know, say welcome Kelly to the show. And um, did I get your story right? You did. And thank you so much. I'm so excited. And, and Jody, just can I just say, listening to you talk about tax and garden season, I'm a gardener, so I get it. But I like to think of it like the Super Bowl. Like all year long, we've been practicing for like this one day. That's the way I feel about it. I love tax season. It's so much fun. <laughs> Wait, so Kelly, you have a very interesting story about how you actually discovered your passion for tax or how you could actually, um, you know, get how you got interested in it. Can you tell us what happened? Well, sure. So in law school, um, one of the things that you do is uh, first year, they kind of make you take everything. So, you know, to kind of get a background and everything. And then you have what's called moot court, which is kind of a fake, a fake um, uh, court appearance where you try out what you've learned. And my moot court experience did not go as planned for a lot of reasons. I didn't have a suit. And this was all new to me. So I was like in a borrowed suit. I was uncomfortable. And there was a technical glitch that had nothing to do with me. And um, and in the end, they made us redo the moot court uh, argument. And I had a good grade and everything was good, but I hated the whole thing. So when I went to sign up for classes, I had kind of thought that I was going to do something trial-oriented because I like to talk and I like to write. And I thought that these would be good things for a trial attorney. I ran as far away from those things as possible. And I signed up quite by accident in a tax class. And, um, and I loved the professor so much. And so I signed up for the next class and the next class. And I just kept taking tax courses. Um, and then at the end of, of the of law school, they said, maybe you should consider getting your master's in tax, which I did. And the, the funny part of the whole thing is that because of the way that I kind of fell into the tax, um, because I was running away from something rather than towards it, I had never taken a first-year tax class. We realized this when I was going to get my advanced tax diploma. So in, um, when I was wow. working on my master's, my master's degree in tax, I had to go back and take what they call in law school baby tax. So I was taking like all these advanced tax courses and then introduction to taxation, which was pretty um, interesting to, to go back. But I, it was just, you know, once, once I got into it, I was so excited. I just kept taking more courses and sort of following my own path. And that's also how I ended up at, at IRS. I knew um, you alluded to it earlier, but I, I clerked at IRS as part of 
my um, tax curriculum, and it was, uh, it was so much fun. I was in the attorney audit department for the estate and gift tax division, and it was incredibly eye-opening, and um, really it made me respect the folks at IRS a lot more so that when I went into private practice, I knew how they operated but also understood that they were people, which I think is a really important mm-hmm. thing, especially now when they're under fire and um, have limited resources. So it was, it was a really great experience. Wow. And so what was it that you found that you really, that drew you to tax? I mean, when you were like in that discovery phase, you know, what, what was it? Well, I've always been a math girl, so I've always liked numbers. Um, but I think uh-huh. I, like a lot of people, think that tax is only numbers. So I didn't have interest in it from a legal perspective because, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you litigate or, or write about that has to do with numbers or, or, you know, so I thought. But when I started taking these advanced tax classes, I realized that there is not a a thing that you do in your life um, as an American that doesn't in some way either directly um, have a tax impact or was influenced by tax. If you own a home, chances are that the uh, mortgage interest deduction probably influenced uh, whether you took a mortgage, um, how much of a mortgage you took, how you financed your mortgage. Um, if you go to the store, if you choose to buy cigarettes in New Jersey versus Pennsylvania, that probably has something to do with tax. What kind of car that you buy might have something to do with tax. And the more I started learning about tax policy and, and how it influences our choices and how, uh, you know, our, our legislation works and, and how it kind of uh, touches every part of our lives. I was just really fascinated with it because I, I do think that, you know, a lot of times we think it's numbers on a page that we turn in one time a, a, a year, and it, it's not. I mean, there's, there's a bigger world than just income taxes because there's also sales taxes and excise taxes and estate taxes. And I, I think it's really it's fascinating, and I think that people understand that now, especially now that we um, maybe talk about it a little bit more with the elections and, and, and the political process, that people are understanding how much impact tax has in, in every piece of our lives. And, and that's really what drew me to it, this idea that, you know, it's not some, some again, just numbers on a page. It affects uh, so much of what you do and, and how you live your life. It's amazing to me how many Americans really don't understand, like, taxes. Like, they think the IRS is evil, and they think the IRS created the taxes. Like, there are so many Americans who just don't understand that it's really Congress and the law and the legal system that has to, that actually creates the tax structure, and then the IRS is just implementing it. And because I think people have a lot of misdirected anger. Right. In fact, I'm, I'm working on a post today because yesterday I saw a number of tweets um, that, uh, you know, from really smart people who were saying um, not any things about IRS, you know, IRS holding refunds this year. You know, this was a big thing. And they, the, the implication is that IRS has taken it upon themselves <laughs> to, right. to make your life difficult by holding your tax refund longer this year. And it's exactly to your point that, that they don't understand that this was a law that was passed last year by Congress. It was not something that IRS said, hey, you know what would be great? is if we can make people wait a few more weeks to get the refunds, you know, but that's kind of the, the narrative that's being given <laughs> right. is that this is somehow these, these people in a big building that are thinking, how can we make you, you know, not like us this year? And, and that's unfortunate because I, I do think it's really important that people understand how the laws are, are created, who interprets them. And, and I, and I think it's important, you know, because of, elections and, and all kinds of reasons. Like you, you need to know, you shouldn't just, I, I completely agree with people that you shouldn't just write a check and, and kind of send it off into the ether. Like you should know 
why am I writing this check? Where is it going? What is it used for? Why is my mm-hmm. check different than Jody's? Like, I, I do think people should, should ask those questions, and I think that that makes us all smarter and, and better and more responsible taxpayers. And I also think it makes the government more responsible to us. So what is going I mean, we have to take a break, quick break in a, little, in a couple minutes, but what is going on with the IRS? You had mentioned that they don't really have a lot of resources um, and they're understaffed. I mean, is that still the case? Is that going to be the case moving forward? Um, you know, what's sort of going on with them? Well, it's definitely the case. Um, whether or not it will be the case moving forward, I think we're going to find out in the next few months. But, right. um, the, but the gist of it is that just as a starting point, people don't like the IRS so that when you are looking at where to put money, you know, IRS is never going to be top of the list. You're never going to think, you know what would be great is if we raise taxes and give it to IRS. Um, so that, so that's <laughs> something that happens. Um, yeah. and, and that's true even when I was at clerking. Um, in fact, one of the first uh, agencies that I ever saw that used flex uh, work, where you work from home and from the office, was IRS. And the reason for it was that there were not enough desks at wow. the office yeah. for everyone to sit in. So they would actually affirmatively and proactively send people home. It wasn't like the choice where people were like, you know, I would prefer to work from home. <laughs> they would actually say to you, today is your day to, <laughs> to not sit at the desk. So it's always been a problem. But then over the last few years, there's been a lot of anger for a lot of reasons. One of them, of course, is the tax-exempt organization scandal that rocked the IRS um, and kind of as a punishment. Well, not even kind of. I mean, the, 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 there are members of the Freedom Caucus that have come right out and said, as a punishment, we are going to continue to cut uh, funding to IRS. And they think that somehow, you know, cutting funding, especially considering that most of the people who are responsible for the scandal are now gone, um, not all, but, but most of them are all gone, uh, what they're doing when they cut funding is I don't think it sometimes registers that what they're, what they're cutting is resources to taxpayers. So right. when you answer the phone, or when, not, when, you answer, when you pick up the phone to call IRS, you know, right now they're only answering at peak tax season. They only answer seven of ten calls. That's on a good day. Um, wow. It has been as low. Yeah, it has been as low as three of ten calls, and it's something that they they tried to uh, hire seasonal employees to make that better. But that is going to be difficult this year because there's a hiring freeze. And I have asked IRS whether or not that's going to impact them, and they're not sure yet. Koskinen had um, expressed cautious optimism when meeting with the Trump transition team earlier that it would not affect IRS, that he thought that they understood the importance of continuing to fund, um, at least during tax season. But it's, it's, they're not sure after the last order right. whether or not that they're going to be impacted. So I don't know that we're, sh- we're sure it's going to happen, but, but, the, but the bottom line is that they don't have a lot of resources. They're at low staffing levels. They're at low funding levels, um, lower than the last uh, past 10 years. But yet they have more responsibilities than they did in in the past, including, uh, you know, kind of trying to understand uh, bits of the Affordable Care Act. Right. So that's a perfect segue. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Kelly about um, what's going on for 2017 for small businesses, for individuals, and what is sort of the forecast, if we can even, you know, see the forecast. Um, So stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. 
It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Padar. And our guest today is Kelly Phillips-Erb. She's a senior editor at Forbes, um, and she writes the column all about tax, and or and you you may also know her as Tax Girl. So we're so we're so excited to have Kelly here today to talk about taxes because yesterday was the kickoff to tax season, and um, yeah. So we all we all know we're sort of in this unknown space right now politically, and so so what is going to happen? Um, what do taxpayers? What do what do business owners need to to know? Um, in terms of what's going to happen in 2017 in regards to tax, is there any way to know, or are we all just sort no. of like sitting? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think sitting on our hands. And, and I don't think there's any way to know. I, and what I keep telling um, taxpayers and my clients is that, you know, I think your your very best, my very best advice to you, is to uh, you know associate yourself with a really smart tax professional, because um, you know it's it's good to read, obviously, to read what's going on, but. Until the, the the rules that come down get translated into actual regulations or, um, or or official formal changes, you know you shouldn't do anything different. And and a perfect example is you know a few days ago, uh, Trump signed an executive order directing federal agencies to do a number of things that have been interpreted as rolling back the Affordable Care Act. Um, and there's a lot of debate as to how far that's supposed to go, and one of the really um, one of the reasons for the debate is, and I actually have the language because it's really interesting. The order actually directs agency heads, without naming IRS, but says um, agency heads to quote waive, defer, grant exemptions from, or delay the implementation of any provision or requirement of the act that would impose a 
fiscal burden on any state or a cost fee, tax penalty, or regulatory burden on individuals, families, etc. And if you read that, you could interpret it as IRS needs to stop enforcing pieces of the Affordable Care Act right now. Um, but that's actually not in stone anywhere yet. Um, you know, the Affordable Care Act's still law. So I've had people reaching out to me and saying, should I make my individual shared uh, responsibility payment? Do I have to pay the net investment income tax this year? You know, all of these pieces, because I think, again, what people sometimes forget is that something like uh, the Affordable Care Act, you know, it, it had to be paid for. It's paid for with a number of taxes. It's not just a mandate that you have to have insurance. And, by the way, if you don't have it, here's a penalty. It's it's much more than that. And, um, you know, rolling that back is not going to be something that's going to happen in 30 seconds. So I, I think it's important that people associate themselves with people who are in the know because you're going to – you don't want to go to – a preparer who's going to tell you, yeah, you know what, I heard there's an uh, executive order that just repealed Obamacare, therefore let's not pay any of these taxes. Um, well, especially, too, when you're looking at it, like, from a dollars and cents perspective, right? Like, right. Um, y- you got to still comply with, I mean, even though he changed the law or whatever, like, you still have to comply with the form today, right? Like, I don't, I don't right. think the, and, like, and the we're in a position to change. not... Right. I mean, what, to, to not add yeah. that line, right? To add a zero because oh, we decided we're not going to pay the net investment income tax, right? Um, right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and no, I think I mean, people I, think that. I mean, I think there are people who actually believe that. Oh, well, Trump changed it, right? Oh, I know exactly. I I I've gotten emails. I've gotten emails, and I've gotten Facebook notes, and and people asking me, do I do I file? Do I have to file? Do I have to pay? And, you know, and this is a weekend, <laughs> you know, we're just a week in from the order. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do, I do think it's going to be increasingly complicated as the, as the season rolls on, um, because I do think that, you know, until we get some, some uh, affirmative direction, uh, it's, it's going to be complicated. And so my, again, my advice has been that it's, we're still, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I think we're still in the status quo until IRS says differently, and um, and again, I think that taxpayers should make sure that you know they 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 follow along and they and they associate themselves with good people and and people who are paying attention because there's a lot to take in right now, um, you know, because it, it's again, it's not just the 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 payment, the penalty that that's affected. There is the net investment tax. There's a lot of pieces, um, the Medicare surcharge. You know, there's just there's so many pieces associated with just this one law and if you and if you kind of you know back up and think how many other laws could be changed as we uh, have a new administration you know it's it's something that that's very definitely I think going to make tax season really interesting when um Koskinen gave his uh conference earlier in the year before the order was uh, was signed he did say that he did not anticipate any problems with taxpayers not paying the payment this year. So IRS is, um, you know, again, this was before the order was signed, but IRS at the time indicated that they didn't think that there was going to be any significant change for the current season. You know, I would not be surprised if what happened is we get through the season and then there's some kind of affirmative change. But right now, I don't think that it's going to happen in the middle of the season. And I think if it did, it would be 
in my opinion, incredibly irresponsible because I don't, I'm sure Jody remembers I, the, the fiasco. I was going to say, the sometimes they do that in the middle and they like throw out bonus depreciation and like you're ready to file tax returns. And then all of a sudden right. they're like, oh no, we're going to retroactively include bonus depreciation this year. And then, <laughs> and then every tax preparer is like, like flailing to get returns done and then they're amending them and whatever. So that sounds like a nightmare for people. And it's happened before. Do you remember wow. the, the make work pay credit? Um, you know, that, yes. that the way, the way that was instituted kind of in the middle of the year and, oh, if you don't get your check, then you can just fix it at your tax return. You know, it, it caused so much confusion. And so, um, you know, we can't tax policy. It's constantly changing, but when it comes to getting the word out to taxpayers, it's really hard to change something on a dime. So I am hopeful that when they do make changes, that they take into consideration that there are a lot of folks who, you know, who plan. They plan on taxes being the same every year. I mean, I'm sure you have clients this way, Jody, who, you know, they make their estimated payments. They know exactly what their tax is going to be. They don't like surprises and they don't like change. And the tax preparer is the one that bears kind of the brunt of things <laughs> when when that doesn't go the way that they that they planned and it's really hard to explain. And not notwithstanding the fact that, you know, we talked about IRS funding before, if they have to go back in and reprogram, that's not cheap, you know, to, to redo entire systems, to retrain uh representatives to, you know, this is not something that happens in a week. Right. And I think the one other thing that I think we do know is, I mean, Trump's made it very clear that he wants to lower taxes. So sure. um, especially from a business perspective right now, I know like if you look at some of the stuff, some people will be paying more taxes um, at the individual level. But when you look at it from a small business perspective, he's definitely said, I'm going to lower it. Now, whether it goes down all the way to the 15 percent or not is another you know, it's another story because who knows what's going to happen. But it's it's interesting to me um, how that's all going to flush out and um, how Paul Ryan's plan is going to come into play. Because from what I understand, he's had this plan like waiting for like 10 years or something. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> what's really interesting to me, too, actually, um, you know, that 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 Speaker Ryan has always been very pro-tax reform. Actually, when he was um, made Speaker of the House, I wrote an article that this was great. We have somebody from the Ways and, and Means Committee and, and somebody who knows tax policy and understands the need for reform who is going to be um, gearing up the House, which I, I find to be a plus generally. You know, politics notwithstanding, no matter which side of the aisle mm-hmm. you're on, it's always good to have somebody who knows what they're doing in charge, right? Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's a good sign. Um, I do think it will be interesting because, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, great, we have Republican president, Republican Congress, maybe that means something will get pushed through. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the case because, as Jody mentioned, you know, you do have uh, Speaker Ryan has this plan for reform, and it's not necessarily the same plan that the president has. So even though they're in the same party, they don't necessarily have the same vision. They might have the same goal, you know, lower taxes, but they don't necessarily have the same path to get there. Um, I think all taxpayers want lower taxes. So uh, it would be great if we could have some reform. I think what you need to be really careful of, though, is that lowering rates is not always the best way to um, end up with lower taxes because we like to focus on numbers. So I think sometimes people think, you know, sure, let's just have – uh, you know, if, if our taxes are 20% instead of 25%, that's good for everybody, right? But, but only if everything else stays the same. If the rates go down, but we eliminate all of the deductions and credits, 
you know, you could end up paying more. So if they were to, um, you know, if you lower the rate, but then say, but no more mortgage interest deduction, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be paying a lot more in taxes, or if you take away the charitable deduction, or, you know, so, so there's a lot that goes into this, um, and I'm hoping that they're thoughtful, and I know that, that there have been a lot of things, as, you know, we've talked about that have been kind of in the pipeline, so it'll be really fun kind of to see where it goes, but I hope that we don't automatically zoom in on the quick fix, because I know that people want results, but the tax code didn't get as big as it is overnight. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be so simple to make it go away. You know, I know it was very popular during the um, the presidential debates to talk about putting everything on a postcard. You know, if it was as simple as that, you know, it would have been done. It's funny to say that, that you know, we make it seem like somehow it just became complicated. It didn't somehow become complicated. It's taken more than 100 years because we like to keep adding things. And there's lots of pieces. And, and you know, kind of what I was talking about before about how, tax policy, it, it pulls from so many different places. There, you know, the, the IRS is administering part of the health care law. That, that's, that's interesting to me on a lot of levels. IRS is responsible on some level for Homeland Security because now they have this, this um, new responsibility of having to report tax delinquents to um, the Department of State. You can have your passport revoked. You know, these kinds of things, the, this power that we're giving to IRS um, you know, we keep saying we want things to be more simple, but we keep giving them more things to do. And that, to me, is, you know, <laughs> is antithetical. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And um, if we really want the IRS to be in charge of taxes, then maybe Congress should stop giving them extra work. And more resources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give them Well, more and the money. thing about the IRS, too, is they're trying to automate so much stuff, but in their automation, they're like making it actually worse because now they're spitting out all these notices that now people are calling on that had they not spit out all these notices that are erroneous, people would have never called. So they're creating this own drama to make more work for themselves as well because they're trying to automate. So it's crazy, right. you know? And it'll be so interesting we're gonna- too because the IRS clearly needs to modernize their systems. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of pushback from that. It's funny because I think our generation, and, and I know Jody's very, very big on, on making things more modern, um, and I agree. I'd love to be able to do more stuff, you know, through um, email and, and through the web with IRS. But there is a lot of pushback because it is making it complicated for folks who aren't there yet. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, too, because we definitely need, need to be more modern. Um, I, I actually interviewed Koskinen. Um, I guess it was about a year and a half ago, uh, the commissioner, and he mentioned that, you know, some of the systems that are at IRS were there during the Kennedy administration. Oh, my wow. gosh. <laughs> yeah, if you think about computers. Wow. From the, uh, from the Kennedy administration years. So it's, Amazing. it's really, you know, there's a lot that needs to happen, and I think that part of the reason that, you know, for example, those automated notices aren't terrific is because they're they're kind of backing into to uh, an, an antiquated system. So I, I am hopeful that as they modernize that they, that they think about, you know, the, the end experience to the, to the taxpayer rather than just, you know, what works for them. Wow. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Kelly Phillips Herb. So stay tuned. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Advance and evolve. 
Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's one 866 You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Jody Paydar, and I'm here with Liz Gold, and we are listening, you're listening to uh, Let's Get Radical. And I have to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Intuit, um, who is doing all things QuickBooks Online. Uh, we are lucky to be talking to uh, Kelly Phillips Herb today, the original tax girl. Woo-hoo. And we just got finished the big session on policy, on tax policy, but we're going to take it a little bit more personal now. And um, we're going to talk about how she kind of evolved to be a senior editor at Forbes. Because when I first got to know Kelly on um, Twitter a number of years ago, she was just just a blogger, right? She was an attorney, but she had this blog called Tax Girl. So, um, Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about how your blog kind of evolved into now um, you being the senior editor at Forbes and getting to interview the tax commissioner and all that stuff? Sure. Well, um, so I I actually started blogging back when I don't think a lot of folks were blogging. Um, and the reason that I started was because I was an attorney and I and I had this law firm and we were trying to do tax updates. And it was really interesting because I was practicing with my husband and um, he was doing a lot of corporate immigration work at the time and international law, um, which mm-hmm. didn't change as quickly. So he could put something up on the website, and uh, and it was good to go, you know, for a couple months. I would put something up, and then, you know, something would change tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I decided to try to figure out a way to update on the web, and I was teaching myself code, and, and I had heard uh, about this blogging idea, 
which is the idea that you could use a separate platform um, and not have to go in, you know, kind of on the back end of the actual website. So we started blogging mainly as a way of letting our customers um, or our clients know what was new and what was changing. And as I as I wrote, I, I realized at the time that a lot of what was out there in the tax world was either incredibly academic, so it was a lot of, it was good stuff. I mean, it was, it was law, uh, tax law prof um, and, and folks like that. But, uh, or it was very, very um, technical. So I decided to write more like I speak and, and like what I felt like my clients wanted to hear, which is, what does this mean to me as a taxpayer? You know, in simple words. And so, um, but not, but not dumbed down, like the same good stuff, but just presented in a way that made sense to the taxpayer. So I started writing and I kind of figured for a while that it was just my dad who was paying attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I realized that other people were paying attention and I started being asked to, um, to write freelance pieces, which was really interesting to me because I've always enjoyed writing. But I didn't actually affirmatively sell my services or look for people to write for. People were asking me, which was fun. And I realized I could make money and have a bigger audience writing. So I, I continued to do this for a bit. And, um, and I actually remember the exact piece that I wrote that Forbes saw that asked mm-hmm. me um, about <laughs> whether I'd be interested in writing for them. And it was... Um, Pennsylvania, which is where I am located, had a tax amnesty program at the same time that New Jersey did. And New Jersey um, actually advertised their tax program in a way that I thought was really smart. They, To me, they did what tax amnesty was about. They said, hey, we're having this amnesty program. Why don't you settle up? I mean, that was pretty much how they pitched it. Pennsylvania, on the other hand, had this commercial, which I will never forget, which was very Big Brother, which was this... Um, like this screen of like a Google map type thing. And the headlines, like, we know where you live. We will oh my find gosh. you. Like it was really, wow. you know, it was like, pay your taxes now or we'll come after you. Tax amnesty. <laughs> and this, oh my gosh. So I wrote this article about how that's not what ta- tax amnesty is supposed to be about. The whole point of amnesty isn't that there are bad people sitting in their houses waiting for this moment to come so that they can, you know, cheat the government. I mean, tax amnesty, for the most part, is people who have found themselves in holes and don't know how to get out, and this is kind of the government saying, hey, listen, why don't you fix it now and get a fresh start? So I wrote this article that says, there was something along the lines, the article was Big Brother, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be Big Brother to have tax amnesty. And I compared the two programs, and New Jersey was actually much more successful in collecting than Pennsylvania was. And, um, and I got this, this email from, uh, from Forbes, uh, from actually who, the person who ended up hiring me eventually, and she said, you know what, normally, um, you know, at Forbes, we don't do a lot of tax amnesty type posts, but we thought this was really good, and would you mind um, letting us run it? And it's funny because as a writer, um, you know, a lot of my friends will say, you know, be really careful about people who ask you to do things for free, and we never mm-hmm. talked right. about money. I remember thinking just how great it was that, that, that Forbes was interested and how I thought it was important for this particular message to get out anyway about how I, I, I felt very strongly about tax amnesty and the way it was presented. And, uh, and so I, I, I did that first article. They ran for free on Forbes and it did well. And they asked me if I would be interested in writing for them some more. 
and and I did, and uh, I was also writing for a few other places at the time, um, and uh, one of them at the time was actually AOL. It was when the Huff Pie merger was happening, and I used to uh, write for, it was actually a great group of people. It was a column called Wallet Pop, and I was their tax person, and um, but I started writing more regularly for Forbes and, and did well and had fun and, um, and really liked the people. They're so smart and, and professional and fun to work with. And I, uh, through a, through a series, <laughs> series of events, um, I was actually, um, offered another job and I called up Forbes and said, um, I've been offered another position, but part of the deal is that I, I, I can't write for you guys anymore. And oh my goodness! Said, well, isn't that weird? Because I'd written for them for a few years then, and uh, and mm. and they said, "Well, then come write for us full time." And I said, "That would be amazing." And wow! Uh, and then I had to talk to my husband, of course, because we had had a had a law firm for 15 years at that point, and I had to say, um, "How would you feel about not working with me after I told you 15 years ago that you should quit your job at a very successful law firm and work with me?" <laughs> Um, and he, he was actually really supportive, I have to say, because, uh, you know, we, we worked together for a really long time and, uh, and I, and I liked being at the firm. It was kind of fun to do something with my husband that way. Um, but I also, at the same time, I think that, you know, it was, it was, it was a good opportunity and I think he knows that I like writing more than I like practicing law. And, uh, and so it, it all worked out for the best. And I mean, we still have the firm. I'm technically of counsel at the firm. So I do still answer questions and I work with my associates there. Um, but full time now I write and, and I love and it. I love the writing. I love the, the social media. I love all of it. And so what was it like this year to get to like cover the presidential debate via Twitter and to like really be engaged in it like full time? How cool was that? Like, it was really fun, and I will say it's it's really interesting because I've always covered the um, I've always covered the debates and I've always covered the campaigns, even when I was doing it on my own, and and I did have a lot of folks who were really kind and gracious and did in fact respond to me, um, even when I was just you know just a blogger without Forbes. I will say you know um, Governor Huckabee and uh, Vice President Biden, both of them. Um, gave me interviews via email when I was just a blogger. Um, so there were a lot of people who were really gracious and, and welcoming men. But, it, you know, working with um, an, a known media outlet like Forbes does definitely give you a different level of accessibility. So mm-hmm. I did have um, a, a different level of people who responded to me, um, which was, was really fun because it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, even outside of the, the presidential election, it is nice to send an email off to IRS and have them say, yes, you know, the commissioner will meet with you. Um, that's really awesome. And I did, you know, I'm, I'm a geek and, and Jody knows this. I did post that picture on my Facebook, you know, like, <laughs> that's what I'm about to say. And I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> well, he his hand? Um, I really, really like fun. your story because like you were, and I want to say just a blogger, right? Cause just a blogger, no, I but know, you I'm really too. took being a blogger. blogging to, a new level that I think, you know, there's a bazillion bloggers out there. And I really believe that you made taxes sexy for like mainstream America, because I think a lot of people were (laughs) able to connect with you and professionals as well, because you were able to say you were able to break down tax technical in a way that was readable and understandable. And people like that. And then, like I said, because most bloggers like, and not that they're any less, I don't know, but you know, they stay bloggers and like, 
to see. I know what exactly you're saying, and, and I think part awesome. of the, I think well, I think part of the problem is, and I, I noticed this in the legal profession, and I'm I'm sure it's the same in the accounting profession, is that there is very much a preconceived idea of who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to present yourself and how you're supposed to act and what you're allowed to say and do on social media. And especially as a female tax attorney, I did feel mm-hmm. a lot of pressure to be more professional, to be the person at the, the you know, sometimes I was the only girl in the room and I was very aware of that. Um, I was the, the you know, I led an audit, and yet I was asked to get coffee sometimes. Like, I, mm-hmm. it was, you know, there was always this. Right. So when I, when I first started blogging, I did get a lot of pushback from folks in the community, interestingly a lot from women um, who felt that I was, um, I got a lot of folks who did not like my moniker because they felt like by saying tax girl, I was somehow belittling the profession and demeaning women, which was an interesting uh-huh. place for <laughs> right. me because I felt like as, you know, I was the first person in my family to ever go to college and then I went to law school and then I became a tax attorney, which is not a traditionally female thing to do. Um, right. So I felt like I was doing good things, you know, to promote women. And, and I, I did get a lot of, initially a lot of pushback. And I also got pushback from men in the community who felt that blogging was beneath lawyers. Um, and again, this is sort of what we're talking 10 years ago when lawyers mm-hmm. weren't blogging like they are today. So I think that blogging has evolved a lot. I think we used to think about blogging as someone sitting in a basement with a computer, you know, and now we realize that, that it's, it's a form of journalism and, um, and that there's, there's space in, you know, there's space for, for all kinds of blogs and, and all professionals and, you know, it's, it, you don't have to be one kind of blogger. And, um, but, but it, it was, it, it is fun for me and I've loved watching it. I love seeing a lot of what's happening in, in, especially in the tax world and, and how tax professionals are understanding that it's okay that, that you can say, you know, I'm a dad or I'm a mom or, or I, you know, I run in my spare time or, or I bake or these are all the other things I do that I'm not just a numbers person. Um, because I also think that makes you a better professional, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I actually got a lot of women who contacted me at my law office initially because they realized that I was a mom and I was a daughter and, and, and I've struggled with how to pay for medical expenses and I'm, I'm a real person. You know, You're I'm approachable not you when you come right. in, you know. Right, right. and you course. created this brand that then a really big brand picked up on. I mean, because Tax right, Girl ultimately fun. became its I own mean, brand. And that, that's sort of like the writer's dream. You know, you start writing, you're doing a blog and then like a big, you know, like a big publication comes to you and says, you know, can you start writing for us? It's like, whoa, you know, because a lot of times writers are like trying to get their, their stuff published in, in a variety of publications and are pitching. And it's like a whole, you know, it's a whole ordeal, but you just took, you took your passion and your interest in making tax accessible through writing and, it grew, you know, and I think that's, I think that's your, it, to me, you're like living the writer's dream. <laughs> well, and, I, and I think, well, thank you. I think that's one, you know, I, when I'm asked to speak and, and talk to especially um, younger, either younger writers or younger lawyers or younger tax professionals, one of the things I, I am most proud of is that I didn't try to fit who I was into this other person's idea of who I should be in order to become successful. And that's something that I hope that people see and understand is that you can 
find something that you're really interested in. And in my case, it has, happens to be tax. And you can, you can find your niche and you can make it yours and you can do it your way. And, you know, you don't have to bend and you don't have to become somebody different. And, you know, when you talk about being a writer, you know, you don't have to, I mean, I've taken lots of assignments that I didn't love, you know, because I also understand mm-hmm. that I have to pay the bills. Um, and I'm very fortunate that Forbes doesn't do that. <laughs> but right. I, I have in the past. I've written some articles that I will say are not my most proudest, you know, pieces <laughs> that I've ever done. But, you know, but they, they, they kept the lights on. And I think that's important. So I don't want to, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, just pursue your dreams. Like I understand the practical piece of it because I run a business as well. But I think that you have to find something that you're interested in and find a way to make that something that every day when you get up, you're like, you know what? I want to do this today. Yeah. I don't want right. it to be my, my thing. I mean, not, you know, I, I have this horrible cold this week, so I will not, I will not say that every day I bounced out of bed thinking, yay, you know, it's season. Right. I have a cold. But, um, but I do think that you have to kind of, you know, you have to find something that makes you so, you know, keeps you interested. I've been doing this for a really long time. If I had to write tax stories and I hated tax, I'd be a mess by now because I write, um, I forget how many articles I, I wrote. I've checked and I, and I completely forgot because I was writing the other day, but I remember the first time I had written a thousand posts for Forbes. I remember wow. that, looking at that and thinking, wow, I've written a thousand of these. I know, I know I've written more than that, but it's, it's so bizarre. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and uh, we're, we're talking to Kelly Phillips-Herb, which I feel like we could be talking about tax and blogging forever. So, But stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. You're listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Paydar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-790. 
You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Padar. And our guest today is Kelly Phillips Herb. She's a senior editor at Forbes, and she writes all about tax. And so, Kelly, you know what? What should small businesses really be thinking about in terms of the tax landscape moving forward? Well, I think you know one thing we've mentioned is that they need to to pay close attention to changes that are happening, especially anything that's going to affect them directly this year. Um, I, there's a lot of, you know, pending legislation that might change how the way that, you know, the way that pass-throughs and, and such are, are um, taxed. So I, I think paying attention, finding a good tax professional. Um, but I also think, you know, one of the things I used to, to, to say to my clients a lot is that when you start your business, you don't start a business with the idea that you want to worry about tax law or you want to worry about accounting or you want to worry about all these things. So I do think, um, you know, finding, uh, again, just kind of stress again, finding somebody that can handle some of those bits for you. You know, Warren Buffett isn't doing his own taxes. Um, you know, <laughs> successful business people, they learn to delegate. And I think that taxes, if it's not something that you're interested in, really is something that you should consider delegating. And so I think, you know, it's, it's important to still be involved and invested in your finances and know what's going on and know what the changes are. But don't become obsessed with them, right? Because it it'll drive you nuts. I mean, focus on on running your business and and maybe pay somebody to do the other stuff. Well, well and I always like to tell. Yeah, I was going to say too. I always like to tell small business owners that taxes should be part of the conversation, but they're not the only conversation. So don't exactly. stop doing something just because there's a tax effect. In fact, you want to make money so you can pay taxes. That's not paying taxes is not necessarily a bad thing. You just don't want to pay more taxes than your share. Right. I always say don't let the tax tail wag the dog, right? So so you do stuff and you think about the tax consequences, but you don't do something just because of the tax. And I agree. The first time I ever wrote a really big check to the IRS, I was really irritated. And then I thought, wow, no, because this meant that things were good, you know? So I do think perspective is important. So Kelly, how can people get in touch with you? How can they connect? Yeah, I- I'm everywhere. No, um, yeah. I, my husband you are all the time because I, I do a lot of uh, social media, but I'm easy to find. I'm tax girl on most of the social um, media forums. So I'm, I'm very involved in Twitter. I love Twitter. I think it's a great platform. So I, I'm tax girl on Twitter. Um, also at Facebook, I'm tax girl. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and YouTube. Um, Forbes is doing a new uh, series of tax videos coming up. Um, and I'll have those on my YouTube page once we have those um, wrapped up. So uh, there's there's a lot of that that stuff happening. But mostly, if you want to find me, I'm on Forbes. Just you can Google Tax Coral Forbes and and find me pretty easily. I have a page that I I update almost every day. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you for it's having been great me. Great to have you. And. Um, you know, if you have any questions for Kelly or you have any questions for us, you can send us an email at uh, Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Um, you can always follow us on Facebook. And, you know, um, this will be on iTunes and Stitcher, like all of our other shows. And what else, Jody? What else do we need to say to close? Um, leave us some love. We'd love a, a yeah. great review. <laughs> We love reviews, you know, spread the word. Um, and you know, we are always looking for small businesses, uh, and the people that love them to interview on the show. So if you have an idea, 
you know, zap zap us on email. We'd love to hear from you. So happy thank tax you. season. Happy tax season. Until next time. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, it's time for you to get radical. Radical.